God Sends Good News, what a better title to have. It's uh, certainly encouragement to see a title like that. The birth of a child is certainly an occasion that is usually good news throughout families. And uh, people like to celebrate that. And it's a joyous occasion. And when it comes to birthdays and so forth, in fact, we just celebrated one as a family this past week. And uh, the difference is, with that type of celebration, it's pretty restrictive. It's usually just family and friends and, and relatives, maybe, that are there as you celebrate the child coming in. And what an occasion to see a child come into the world and then to see that child growing and the family celebrating the occasion of when that person came. It's usually quite special to most families, except when you get older. And then we like to forget the birthdays. We don't like to... And certainly, we might want to celebrate, and we might want to get gifts, but we certainly don't want to talk about how many years it's been as time goes by. That, uh, but in this particular occasion, the one that we had, the person's now getting to those teenage years, getting right near there, so that's an exciting time. But this one that we celebrate today, the, the Scriptures don't tell us that we have to celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, got to annually have an occasion for it, and, and so forth. But why does this one that we are celebrating here today, why is it celebrated by more than just uh, us? Why is it around the world? Why is it that in many places on this planet today, or yesterday, depending on the timing of where people may be on this planet, why is there this celebration centered around a child? And why this occasion called Christmas? And by the way, I am glad that we don't have to worry about being politically correct. And so delighted to say Merry Christmas or Blessed Christmas or Happy Christmas to some and others. But why? Because it really is great news. It is good news that has come in. And certainly in this world that we're living, even as I put that little uh, sentences and so forth, a statement in the bulletin, it's there for you, we can see that the world is certainly full of bad news. It's saturated with it in our society, with the economy with uh, housing situations, the real estate market, with jobs, with scandals that are all over the place, with tragic accidents that happen, natural disasters, and on and on it goes. And our news media is just absolutely saturated, and our daily life is saturated with all kinds of bad news. It was Job in Job chapter 5 that made the statement that man's born for trouble as the sparks fly upward. His life is filled with trouble. And there's all kinds of bad news that continues to come out. And since man has been on this planet and God has created man, there has always been around jealousy, murder, immorality, and all kinds of things that we can see. And it's still around today. Nothing's changed since Adam and Eve as far as those things go. And so I would say to you that we certainly could use some good news, don't you think? I think so. And I think, uh, by the way, I, I would love to see someone who would dedicate a newspaper or a website that all it deals with is good news. We need that. Well, certainly we do have some good news. And, uh, but why was there a need for good news? Because of man's sin. Now, man does not like to talk about that today. But that's why we need good news. Why all this bad news that goes around? And why all these difficult situations? 
it all goes back to the fact that since man's disobedience to God, sin entered into the world. And the consequences of that sin touch every area that I talked about, whether it be natural disasters, whether it be the earth working against us for crops, whether it be our health decaying, whether it be death, it is all a result of man's disobedience. And that's what sin is. It is a violation. It is a disobedience. It is a transgression of the law. And it certainly is discouraging to us as human beings, even in our own personal lives, as we see things happen. And it was no different with God. If you take for your Bibles for a second and go back with me to the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and the sixth chapter of Genesis, even as man looked down and saw all that was going on in the world, he was discouraged by it. You come to Genesis chapter 6, and you get down to verse 5, and it says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And he didn't have the technology of newspapers today that we have and all that stuff and the internet, but he knew it better than we all do. And he says, look, look at this, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then look at the discouragement, verse 6. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, and it reached this point, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. And you can keep your finger there for a moment. But you can see that even in God's eyes, as he looked down, the discouragement with the bad news and with the conditions that continued to exist, even as you go back in this time. But it was God himself, even in the midst of all of that, that began to promise good news, that seeds are found in Genesis chapter 3. If you go there for a second, since you're in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, even after the fall of man, and even after Satan was involved, the seeds are found in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to Satan there, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. While it is just a seedling, it is the promise of good news. But it's because of the favor of God. It is because of God's grace that we see that. And that continued. If you go back to Genesis chapter 6 now, I didn't read verse 8, but look at verse 8 of chapter 6. And in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, we see it again, where it says, But Noah, in spite of all the bad news, in spite of all the discouragement, we see this, verse 8, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You see the grace of God. You see the good news. There it was given to Adam and Eve back in the garden. And now with Noah. And if we were to continue through our Bible, we'd continue to see that God gave good news. We find that Abraham comes on the scene. And in Genesis chapter 12, while I won't turn there, in the first three verses, God gives grace toward Abraham. And then says out of him, all the nations of the world will be blessed. That's the grace of God. That is good news that started very early in this planet. Then there was Isaac, and uh, he came as the promised son. 
and then the promises that came through Jacob and David and so forth. And what you begin to see develop in the scriptures is this, that in spite of the bad news, in spite of the bad situations that we find ourselves in, God himself, in his grace, kept pointing to redemption, kept pointing to a deliverer, kept pointing to a Messiah, a anointed one of God, a Savior that would come into the world that could save us from this situation. It would be a situation where good news would come on the scene. But it would have to come from God. Why? He created us. I'd like you to go to one passage just to set this right now. Go, to me, go with me to Isaiah chapter 43 for a second. The book of Isaiah chapter 43. I want you to see an important aspect before I mention a couple of things here. In Isaiah chapter 43, I want you to see this. He's speaking to the nation of Israel, but I want you to get the other part of what he says here in verses 10 and 11. Isaiah 43, verses 10 and 11. He said to Israel, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. That was God's grace again. But watch this. So that you may know and believe me and understand, watch this, that I am he. Watch this. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is what? No Savior where? Besides me. It wouldn't come anyplace else. God says the good news is, you're going to be my witnesses to the nation of Israel, but there is no other Savior beside me. It is not found in religion. There are people all over the world today. Last night we were at a family gathering on Linda's side of the family, and a number of those folks, our very loved relatives, were going off to church last night, late, at midnight. They were going off to church. There are people all around the world that are involved in religious activity. Listen, salvation, the good news, doesn't come from church. It doesn't come from any man. It doesn't come from religion. It only comes from God. God who started it way back in Genesis. Why? Because everyone is a sinner. And as time has gone by in man's history, nations came, nations went. Thousands of years went by. And rulers even came up out of the nation of Israel and outside of the nation of Israel, like King Nebuchadnezzar, for example. But none of them, none of them could bring salvation to man. None of them could bring enduring peace in the inner man. None of them could satisfy. No Messiah had come. David had even come up as a leader. Yet the Messiah had not yet come. Generations came and went. People went through their routine all their life and then died off. No Messiah. No deliverer. No one had come on the scene. Prophets came and went. Turn with me. You're in the book of Isaiah. Go with me to very, two very familiar verses. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7 for a minute. Just to look at two quick verses. These are always repeated around Christmas time. Isaiah, the 7th chapter, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. 
Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and you will call his name, and hold on to this for later, Emmanuel. The prophets had come and said a virgin's going to give birth. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 9, another familiar passage, verse 6. In verse 6, for a child will be born to us. That's an exciting event. It's terrific. A child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called, notice this, Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now those promises had come. Prophets had come throughout the Old Testament. I just looked at two references there. But the Messiah had not come on the scene. With all those promises, with all those generations going by, and the promise of hope, and the good news that deliverance would be coming, and yet, no one came. No one came. And then we come to Galatians chapter 4. Would you turn with me there, please? Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Verses 4 and 5, it was referred to already this morning. Come to a verse like this, it says, But when the fullness of time came. Simple way of putting that is this. In God's perfect timing. It says, verse 4, Watch again the intervention of God. Watch the favor of God. It says, God sent forth his Son. Born of a woman, born under the law. Why? So that he might, and here comes that promise of redemption, redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption of sons. In God's perfect timing, thousands of years had passed. Now you would think when the Lord Jesus Christ came on the scene in that perfect timing, by the way, our calendars are centered basically around it. This event happened over 2,000 years ago. Over 2,000 years ago, in God's perfect timing, after thousands of years of promises, good news happened. You would think that people would be living in such great anticipation that when it happened, just people flocked to the birth of the baby. Reality was, listen carefully, there were a lot of people during that time when Christ came into this world that were just carrying on religious activity like is going on today. They were going to temples. They were going to services. They were carrying out holy days and holidays and all kinds of events. There were people that were just busy trying to be caught up in their schedules and survive in the economy that they had at that day. And even though God had given all of these promises, kind of had pushed it aside. And while they were saying they were looking for the Messiah, didn't even know that he was coming. Oh, there were a few, very few, truly. In fact, the scripture only notes a couple of them. But nevertheless, in the midst of busy activities, in the midst of people's busy schedule, in the midst of all the religious activity that was going on, now turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, in the midst of all of that, after God had promised good news that a Redeemer would come, 
we have this announcement. The announcement of the birth of the Messiah. The announcement of the child coming into the world. Notice this. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 34, you can look at them as I scan them with you. How did it happen? By way of sending an angel. That's what the word angel means. It's a messenger. But he's identified. It is Gabriel. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to give an announcement. That's kind of interesting. By the way, this will help you a little bit with understanding life after death. The angel Gabriel was around when Daniel was around in the Old Testament. And he delivered a message to Daniel. Now he's still alive a lot later. And he's delivering a message to Mary. You see, once we leave this world, time is not a factor at all. Gabriel's still around. Gabriel's still delivering messages. And he announced his birth. It is obvious that time doesn't have a factor with God except for his perfect timing to send his son. But he comes. And he makes this announcement. Where does he make it? He didn't make it in Jerusalem. He didn't make it in Judea. You would expect that it's got to be in the metropolis of the time, right? Because people are looking for it. No. He simply makes the announcement. He tells us where. In a remote place, Galilee. In a place called Nazareth. Small little village. Best of my research, probably only a couple of hundred people, some estimate, at the time were even living there. It wasn't the busy section like Jerusalem or Judea. And God intervenes into man's environment again to tell him what? The time has come. I am sending the good news. I am sending the Redeemer. And who does he come to? Look at verse 34. He comes to a virgin. You notice that? And I went down to verse 34 because she herself says, how can this be since I am a virgin? There is still debate today of whether it's a virgin absolutely even by our own words. It's a virgin he came to. Mary. She was espoused to David. She was commit, uh, sorry, to Joseph, committed to him. But I want you to notice that it was simply out of God's grace. Verse 28. In coming to her, he says, favored one, the Lord is with you. You notice verse 30. The angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. This is simply God's grace. And I want you to catch that. Because salvation is God's grace. The good news is part of God's grace. Even he, as he had created man, and he saw all the bad news. He saw the sin among man. Could have wiped man out and even said that he thought of that. But rather than that, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now Mary finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. She didn't deserve this. She wasn't any better than any other woman that were in this world or any other virgin, by the way. She simply, though the world does that with Mary today, this was simply a woman of God's selection. A woman that was favored of God. In fact, she was afraid. That's what it tells us. That's why he says, don't be afraid. She was afraid of what was going on. And I want you to notice, even without an ultrasound, the angel tells her, whether it's a boy or a girl, and what the name's going to be. Imagine that. 
way before our technology. What good news? Why? Because he says to her, notice, that you will bear a son, verse 31, and you shall name him Jesus. What does that mean? Yahweh saves. Salvation, that's good news. There is salvation coming to man. Man says, why do I need salvation? Because of the bad news. Because we are sinners. Because of all that comes into the world. Because of all that comes into our life. Because we rebel against God. And yet God has good news. He sent someone in. He sent a child in time. In his perfect timing. Promised from old. To a virgin. What's he identified as? What's he like? Look at verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. His essence is greatness. He is the Son of the Most High. That is identified in the book of Daniel, the fourth chapter, as God. The Son of the Most High is God. Turn with me in your New Testament to Colossians chapter 2, and you'll see why he's called that. Colossians chapter 2, just one verse. Verse 9, for in him, that is Jesus Christ, look at verse 8, it says, according to Christ. For in him, that is Jesus Christ, all, not some, all of the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That's what that means when it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent into the world, deity. He took on flesh himself. And you notice, if you go back to Luke chapter 1, that not only is he the son of the highest, but he will have the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Why? This is the Messiah. It is this one who is the Redeemer. It is the one that we celebrate today as we talk about Christmas. Now Mary's reaction was interesting because her initial reaction was she was perplexed, verse 29. She was afraid, verse 30. And I would put him this way. She was troubled, shaken, and confused. Wouldn't you be? You ladies, if somebody came to you and you're a virgin and said you're going to bear a child and it's going to be the Messiah, it's rather interesting because as we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not what would happen today. When a prince or a king has a child, or a wedding, but a child, or someone famous has a child, the media is all over it. The television, iPhones, Facebook, text messaging, it's going out all over the world when somebody famous has something. With God, it was simple. He simply announced it by an angel to the woman that was going to bear the child. It was direct, God to man. It was humble. Ordinary people chosen by God. But God had prepared this person. And how was he going to activate it? By the Holy Spirit. You'll notice verse 35 of Luke chapter 1. Mary said unto the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? That is a valid question. Verse 34. How is it possible? And you know, if we sat here this morning, we'd say it's impossible. Not possible unless somebody inter 
injects into a virgin sperm that you can have a child. How is it possible? And Mary looks at herself and says it's impossible. But you notice verse 35? The angel told her how it would be activated. By the grace of God, it's all God's work. Look what he says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. It'll be done by the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Luke, cha uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Every Christmas we sing about this. Every Christmas we talk about this story. But this is good news. It's God intervening into the affairs of man. And in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, just a few verses here. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary has been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, that makes it very clear again, she was found to be with child. How? By the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Why? For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might keep your finger on Matthew there for a moment, but you notice again, of the Holy Spirit. This is a miracle. That's why in Luke chapter 1, in our text, in verse 37, it is announced, for nothing will be impossible with God. How could we ever be in heaven with God? How could we ever be restored to God? How could we ever be resurrected from the dead if indeed we're all going to die and we are? With man it's impossible. With God all things are possible. But how is it possible? Only by God's own plan. He had to intervene. He had to have the plan of salvation for man. Why? Because the news of man is bad. In spite of what you might hear in the media, in spite of my, what you might hear in books, when people write and say, man is basically good, have enough intelligence to look and observe in the world you live in and ask yourself, is that what I observe? It's not. God had to intervene. God had to provide the good news. God had to provide the miracle. And how would it be accomplished? By him doing it himself. I've already quoted the verse. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave. Some of you already have had time with family. I had some last night. And probably have exchanged some presents, an open presents. Those were gifts. That's what salvation is. That's what the good news is. Salvation is not earned through religion. You say, but I've been trying all my life to be as good as I can. What about all the bad things, folks? Well, it's not that bad. You've never thought evil thoughts? You've never thought anger and hatred towards somebody else? That's murder in God's eyes. You say, well, God will overlook it. He can't. He's a righteous, he's a holy God. 
God had a better plan. I will do it for you. I will send my son. And in our text it says he will be known as the holy child. Why? That's his character. Hebrews chapter 7 says it this way. I'll read it to you. Hebrews 7, listen to verse 26. Here's what it says of Jesus Christ. It says, For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, referring to Jesus Christ, listen, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Jesus Christ knew no sin. That child that came into the world was indeed the Son of God, as our text says. He was the holy child without sin. He was the Son of God. Well, maybe he doesn't, doesn't mean that he is God. Yes, it does. I already pointed that out to you. He is the one of the Most High. He is God, very God. And they understood that in the book that we're studying on Sunday mornings. It's John. And we are told that Jesus Christ, being the Son of God, they wanted to stone him because they understood that Jesus Christ, calling himself the Son of God, made himself equal with God. How could he do that? I ask you to keep your finger in Matthew chapter 1. Go back there for a moment. Because in Matthew chapter 1, picking it up in verse 21, he said to Joseph, she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. Same thing as we find in Luke. For he will save his people from their sins. That's good news. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, a virgin, we read that, will be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. We read that in the Old Testament. We sing that, O come, O come, Emmanuel, which actually has to do with the second coming. But we sing that song, O come, Emmanuel. What does that mean? He tells us. Which translated means God with us. That's why this child was so different. That's why when we think about the incarnation, when we think of Christmas time, that's why it's celebrated around the world in different places. Why? Because this was the Savior of the world that was sent. This is part of God's plan and God's perfect timing. To send his son into the world, why? Because man could not save himself. Religion could not save man. And even when Jesus Christ came into the world, though a lot of people were involved in religious activity, none of that would bring them into a right relationship with God. God had to intervene with good news. Now, you probably are well aware the word good news means gospel. Or gospel means good news is what I should say. Why? The gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We take time as Christians to reflect on the Lord coming in, not because we're told to reflect on his birthday. I'm glad we do, and you know why? It's a good reminder to us as Christians of the good news that came from God, where God intervened. And you know what? It's interesting because the multitudes today are rejecting the gospel. Around the world, there's a lot of people that won't even celebrate it. They want nothing to do with it. And there's those who are just carrying out religious activities, going to church, but their hearts aren't right with God. 
They think they're earning their way to heaven and not accepting God's news, good news. It was seen by very few. In fact, in the text that was read, it was announced to the shepherds. Go with me. If you're in Luke chapter 1, just go with me to Luke chapter 2 for a second, where your responsive reading was. And you'll notice that most of the people missed it. God intervened. He sent his son. While there was a lot of religious things going on, many didn't even see it. And when you come down to verse 8, it says there's shepherds in the field watching over their flock. Notice what happens, verse 10. An angel says, don't be afraid, for I bring you what? Good news of great joy. After he says, don't be afraid. Which will be for all people. God's good news is found in that stable in Bethlehem. Why? It's his grace. It's his intervention. It is God himself taking on flesh. And you know, today, we understand from the book of Romans that salvation comes by faith. We understand that salvation comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God, just as it's being preached today. Man does not want God's message. Man has seen the intervention of God over 2,000 years ago where his son was sent into the world. And basically, though it was the predetermined plan of God, we know from the book of Acts, man crucified the Savior. Man didn't want him. But nevertheless, he went to the cross. He didn't stay in that stable. Just like we're glad that children grow up and they go on in life, this baby in Bethlehem grew up became a man, but he went to the cross. He went to the cross to bear the sin and penalty, uh, the, uh, the penalty of our sin on that cross so that we could have the gift of eternal life. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Christmas time is a wonderful time for believers. For our society today, there's no doubt about it, it's all about commercialism. It's all about money. And yet, we ought not to lose sight that there was a significant thing that happened when God intervened. And while now we have that association during this time of the year with the birth of Christ, we ought to take advantage of it and remember that God sent his son into the world to provide eternal life. And we now have the message of salvation. And if you look in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, notice this. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world. I want you to see that. Don't give Satan too much credit. Sin entered into this world by man. That's what the scriptures say. And it was just one disobedience. And we saw as a result, it's always bad news, bad news. And death through sin. Why do you have to die, all of us here? Why do we have to die physically? It's a result of sin. And you won't escape that. I won't escape that. Youngest to oldest in this room. 
But the worst part is spiritual death, separation from God. But you notice what he says. So death is spread to all because all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. In other words, very simply put, even if you didn't have the Ten Commandments, man was still violating the laws of God. Now all the Ten Commandments does is point out the specifics. Murder, idolatry, covetousness, etc. But notice verse 13, it goes on, uh, verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense. But watch verse 15. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of one many died, much more did the grace of God, that's intervention, watch, and the gift by the grace of God, by the grace of, excuse me, one man, who? Jesus Christ, abound to many. That is God's love. That is God's gift. It is salvation provided in this babe in which we celebrate in Christmas, the coming of the Savior into the world. That is God's gift to man, salvation through the person and work of his Son. This is why, my friend, though today you might hear in the world there's many religions, that's true. There's many ways that is provided for salvation. From man's perspective, that's true. But from God's, there's only one way. In John 14, 6, it said, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, that includes everyone in this room, can come unto the Father but by me. In the book of Acts, the fourth chapter, the verse, verse 12, it says, There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, you may not want to accept that. God's provided the free gift. And I know many of you have heard me illustrate it, but I think it's appropriate at this time of the season. As you exchange gifts, as you get involved with Christmas giving, a gift is a gift. But if there's some gifts that you're going to unwrap this afternoon, or you choose to not unwrap it, and someone buys a gift for you and provides it for you, and you say, I don't want it, let it just sit there, you will never, ever, ever, ever benefit from it. God has provided the free gift of salvation. And so many, maybe even in this room, are still trying to earn God's favor. When God says, I give you salvation, you take it. He provides it only in his Son. That is the free gift. That is the good news. The good news is I don't have to work for salvation. You don't have to work for salvation. And let me challenge you on this. In case you think you can do it by your good works, in case you think you can do it by being religious, test your own conscience with this. Do you ever know whether you've done enough? I'll answer it for you. You don't. There's always doubt in your mind. Did I do enough? Did I cover it all? 
When it comes to salvation with God, true salvation, the question is answered easy. God's free gift is salvation. If you've appropriated it and taken it and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the scripture says this, for God so loved the world that he gave, free gift, his only begotten son, why? That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but has right now eternal life. Why? They've accepted the gift. At this Christmas time, don't be foolish. Many have gone through many years of celebrating Christmas without ever accepting the free gift of salvation provided by God. Let me recall one thing to most of you by way of at least historical knowledge before we close. April 15th, 1912 was a significant date. Anybody remember what happened? The Titanic sunk. The Titanic sunk at 2.20 a.m. There's a lot of history there, but let me recall just this bit of it to you. And there's a lot preceding what I'm about to tell you. But it was at 11 p.m. That's three hours earlier. At 11 p.m., that the California, who was 10 miles away, gave a warning of icebergs in the area to the Titanic. A man by the name of Phillips, who had been getting all kinds of information that night, wrote these words. Shut up. Shut up. I am busy. Forty minutes later, he hit the iceberg. And two and a half hours later, the Titanic, the unsinkable, sank. You know the story. What in the world has that got to do with Christmas? The good news was just presented to you. There is salvation in no one else but Jesus Christ. Christmas is a celebration of God's love being sent into the world so that you could have eternal life. And there are many that are saying, shut up. Shut up. Don't give me the religion. Don't talk to me about Jesus Christ being the only way. And I will tell you that there is a greater iceberg ahead for you if that's what you do. But the good news is, if you heed God's warning and accept the free gift of salvation, you have given to you eternal life. And when you do hit your deathbed, you'll be taken into the presence of God because you've accepted the warning that he gave and the free gift that was provided in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our prayer here at Fellowship Bible Church is that you do have a Merry Christmas. You do have a blessed Christmas, but don't be the fool that heard the warning and because of family, friends, personal pride, or whatever you want to put in there, kept putting it off. 
And when your deathbed comes, it's too late. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have good news. And fellow believers, rejoice at Christmas time in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the understanding that you have of the free gift of salvation, but go give the good news out. Tell others that there is good news, that there's a wonderful gift. The scripture calls it, does anybody remember what it calls the gift? I'll accept that. That's that's a good way to use the word, indescribable gift. Salvation is a gift that's indescribable. Why? Because it gives you eternal life. Go out there and give the good news out and celebrate. Because had Jesus Christ not come, we would have no salvation. But he has come. And it's worth celebrating. And it's worth rejoicing in. Let's close in prayer. Our Father in God, what a joyous day this is to think about not just any child coming into the world, but you sending your Son to provide the free gift of salvation. Even as we've just glimpsely touched this morning, there is so much bad news in this world, so much bad news in our own personal lives, but the good news is provided by you. And it's that salvation is found in that child that came into this world that grew as a man and went to the cross to bear the penalty and price for our sin so that we could have as a free gift eternal life, forgiveness of sins and a right relationship with God. Father, you know the heart of every person in this room. You know the thoughts that are going on right now. And Father, if there be any here who have not yet believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who have not yet accepted the free gift of salvation, that this would be the day. This Christmas would be the one that they understand your free gift and that they would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And Father, for those of us who do, help us to rejoice. Rejoice in this occasion that we celebrate, that you sent your son to the Virgin, the Virgin Mary, and that he came into the world and saved us. But Father, help us to remember that he's coming again. And help us to live our lives, giving out the good news that this world so desperately needs. And help us to rejoice in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless your Christmas. Have a great time with your families. We wish you all the best from Fellowship Bible Church.